You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Dave over here and his wife, Nicole, uh, they came. <laughs> I, I invited and they came, and I'm very excited about that. Um, we've known each other for a little while now, and we talked a lot uh, while I was working from home. Um, we actually donate a lot of product in the company I work for to different organizations. The Gospel Mission is one of them, and, and he was willing enough to come and hear me stumble across my words here. So I'm thankful for that. 
Um, while I am giving a, a brief introduction here, I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I want to tell you a story um, which I think illustrates um, the, the title of my message. And I'm doing a three-part series, and this is part one of the, of the three, um, on why we suffer. Now, um, the title of my sermon today is, is that we might comfort others. You know, we often think that um, we need comfort ourselves, and I will go over that briefly in the beginning of this message, but it's more importantly that we may comfort others. So when a Jewish psychiatrist, Viktor Frankl, was arrested by the Nazis in World War II, he was stripped of everything, property, family, possessions. He had spent years researching and writing a book on the importance of finding meaning in life, concepts that later would be known as Legotherapy. When he arrived in Auschwitz, the infamous death camp, even his manuscript, which he had hidden in the lining of his coat, was taken away. I had, under, I had to undergo and overcome the loss of my spiritual child, Frankel writes. Now it seemed as if nothing and no one would survive me, neither a physical nor a spiritual child of my own. I found myself confronted with the question of whether, under such circumstances, my life was ultimately void of me any meaning. He was still wrestling with that question a few days later when the Nazis forced the prisoners to give up their clothes. So when they... What? It's on. Maybe it's not. <laughs> Either way, I'm coming through here, so that works. Um, anyway, so he was wrestling with that question, um, whether anybody would survive him. And the, the prisoners in the Nazi camp were forced to give up all of their clothes. They were, they were forced to be naked. He said, I had to surrender my clothes and, and in turn inherited the worn-out rags of an inmate who had been sent to the gas chamber, says Frankel. Instead of the many pages of my manuscript, I found in the pocket of the newly acquired coat a single page torn out of a Hebrew prayer book, which contained the main Jewish prayer, Shema Yisrael. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. How should I have interpreted such a coincidence other than as a challenge to give my thoughts, sorry, to live my thoughts instead of just merely putting them on paper? Later, as Frankel reflected on this ordeal, he wrote in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, there is nothing in the world that would so effectively help one to survive even the worst conditions as the knowledge that there is a meaning in one's life. Now, this phrase I'm about to say here is the, the pinnacle focus of my message today. He who has a why to live can bear almost any how. So how are you going to get through that trial? How are you going to endure the pain that you go through or the pain and suffering of somebody in your life? You have to understand the why in order to get through it. Few chapters in the New Testament reveal the heart of Paul, as does this one in 2 Corinthians. Here we see the great apostle admitting his fear and failings as he tells of the sufferings he had endured. I imagine that I am not alone in asking the universal, universal question, why did this have to happen to me? Every time we go through pain, we ask that question, why are we going through this right now? Lord, I don't understand why this has to happen right now, especially right now. Like when you're in the middle of, of the worst pain in your life, something else comes along. Or maybe you think things are going good finally. You get lucky and, and things are going well in your life and then something happens. And you're like, seriously, Lord? Like, I do not understand why I have to go through this right now. The problem of pain has always baffled people. And the answer 
to the why here will help us to find the how to bear the sufferings that we will go through or that we're currently going through. Why must the righteous suffer is a question that is found in Scripture from Job to Revelation. In this chapter, as Paul recounts his personal experiences, he gives us three reasons why God permits his people to, su to suffer. Stand with me as, as we read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Out of reverence for the word, I believe it's important to stand. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy our brother, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, with all, with all the saints which are in all Achaia. Grace be to you and peace from, our, from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. Lord, I thank you so much for this section of Scripture. Lord, I thank you for just the comfort that you bring. Lord, you are a God of all comfort. You bring us peace when we need it, Lord. And there is so much pain and so much hurt in this world. And I pray, Lord, that as, as I preach today and as you speak through me, Lord, I pray that this opens the eyes of our hearts, Lord, and, and opens our minds to the possibility that there is comfort and that there is hope. Lord, help us to realize that you are our grace and our, and our comforter. Help us to share that comfort with others. And I, I pray, Lord, that you speak through me and, and give me the inspiration that's needed to speak to each person here. Lord, you know their hearts more than I could possibly know, and, and I want them to heal and, and grow from this. And so do I, Lord. And I thank you for the pain that I've gone through because, Lord, through time and, and through your grace and, and your forgiveness, I was able to forgive those that hurt me. And I pray, Lord, that people here can do the same. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And you may be seated. You know, as I stated earlier, Paul gives us in this chapter three reasons why God permits his people to suffer. We all, want, we all wonder why. But here it says that we suffer that we might comfort others. That's what this message is about today. The second reason is that we might have confidence in God alone. When we go through pain, God reminds us that we need him. It's that realization that brings us back to him. And the third reason is that we might claim the promises of God. He promises us things. He, he gives us specific things in the Bible that we can count on. And the one I'm very thankful for is that he will not leave us or forsake us. <laughs> he never left me or forsook me. All those years I was saved... He wasn't giving up on me yet. He had a bigger plan, and I'm thankful for that because I was angry at him. <laughs> I was furious with God for the pain I was going through and could not understand why. But it was that pain that brought me back to him, and I'm thankful for that. And we will go through all, part, all those parts here within the next week. Wednesday, I'll be preaching part two. Next Sunday, I'll be preaching part three. Um, but today, we will look at the, that, the reason why and is that we might comfort others. So... We ask God, Lord, why am I going through this? I don't understand what good is going to come from this. 
The answer to the why here will help us to find the how we will bear that suffering. And from this text, we see that is that we might comfort others. The word comfort is used 10 times in verses 1 through 7. 10 times. When the Bible repeats something, there's a reason for it. It's to bring our attention to it, right? When we see something repeated, it brings our attention. Three is a huge emphasis, but seven is completeness, right? <laughs> there's a reason he chose seven times, 10 times, sorry, 10 times to go through this in verses 1 through 7. Highlight this. We'll go through these verses again and underline these, highlight these, write this in a notebook, whatever it is, but underline these and, and take note of these. Verse 3, blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He is our, he's the God of all comfort. He's the only one that's going to bring us peace. Verse 4, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. That's anything that we go through, he will bring us comfort. That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. <laughs> when you start to realize that comfort, it's kind of like when, you, when you're looking to buy something, all of a sudden you see it everywhere. When you start focusing on a word, you start seeing it. So when you go through the scripture and you see the word comfort, be reminded of what it means here. Verse 5, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation, and that, the root word of consolation there is the same word as comfort, also aboundeth by Christ. Verse 6, and whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation, same root word there, and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation, same root word again, and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be able, or so shall ye be also of the consolation. It is the same word Jesus used in John 14, verse 6, for the Spirit, the Comforter, the Paraclete. God sent us a Comforter. Look at what it says in John 14, 6, and I will pray the Father, this is Jesus speaking, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. You see, the apostles were meeting with Jesus and he was describing what he was about to do. He was about to go die and he was going to leave them and they were like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, you can't leave us right now, Lord. What are we going to do without you? I don't understand. Like, they were, they were about to face some horrible trials and they were realizing that the one person that they, they were clinging to was about to leave them. But he said, he shall give you another comforter. He sent the Spirit in his place, thankfully, <laughs> because now he indwells with us forever and gives us comfort and peace. What a joy it is to know that God stands at our side to help whenever we go through troubles. The Spirit of God brings us comfort and encouragement all the time. Further along in, in chapter 14 of John, Jesus said this, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Every single time we go through pain, Jesus promises that he will come to us. He will leave, not leave us comfortless. We often forget that, and we can get very angry about the pain that we're going through. But he will not leave us comfortless. He will get us through it. Isaiah 41.10, and this is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. He said he's with us. <laughs> really? Like, that's powerful right there. God is with us. He said, I will be with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. 
So when we choose to stake in reliance of Him, when we remember Him, when we honor Him, when we, when we pray to Him, he, he, will, he will honor that. He said, I am thy God and I will never leave you. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Go down to verse 13 in, in Isaiah 41. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Think of a father and a, and a child. You walk across the street, you have their hand, right? You're, like, you're, you're giving them peace and comfort through that scary little jaunt. Maybe it's through a parking lot, or maybe it's, it's something a little more severe, but you're holding their hand, and, and that brings them comfort. Well, God's doing that with us every single day. Isaiah 43, 2-3 says, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. You think about the three that went into the fire here. This is, this is a, a verse that we can rely on, but... You look at those Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego back in, in Babylon. They clung to the hope of this verse right here because God promised it. He said, I will be with thee. So they were like, we're not going to bow down to your idol. We're not going to succumb to the pressures of all those around us. Think about the multitudes and thousands that were standing, uh, standing there and bowed down the second they heard the music playing as they were commanded. And the three men chose to stand instead <laughs> because they knew that God was going to be with them. And then Nebuchadnezzar said, I'll give you one more chance. And they said, we will not, because we know God will get us through this. They didn't know how, but they knew he would because he promised it right here. He literally said, when thou walkest through the fire, you'll not be burned. So they had hope in that. They had hope in what God said. And when we look at scriptures, we can be comforted. So if we are in the word on a constant basis and we are in prayer and fellowship with God, he brings to remembrance verses like this to remind us that, hey, I am promising you, I will be with thee forever. There is nothing you will go through, no matter how severe they say it will be, or you might think it will be, I am with thee, and I will bring you comfort. We need to be even a small portion of what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were. We need to have hope like they have hope, and we need to be in the Word in order to know that. Each member of the Trinity is a comforter. The Father, in 2 Corinthians 1.3, blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And the Son and Spirit in John 14, 16, when Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. See here, Jesus was interceding for us. He said, I will go to the Father, and I'll pray for you. So God is the God of all comfort, then Jesus is the one interceding for us, and then he sends the comforter, by definition, to us. So there's the trinity of, of comfort. Jesus is interceding on our behalf, and the Spirit, once we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord, is a constant presence in our life consoling us. It's wonderful to say, but if, you know, if you're saved, we have that comfort. But some people here might not know that comfort yet. So you can't have that comfort before you leave today, because you don't know if today's the last chance you have. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't know if it was the last day they had. Paul didn't know what day was going to be his last day, and yet he clung to God. <laughs> we don't know. God knows. So if you're not sure and you want that peace and that comfort and the, the reassurance that you will be with him for all eternity, or you want the, the peace that he will bring through the trial that you're facing right now, 
Come to him today, and, and he will give that to you. Faithfully, he will give that to you. God is the God of all comfort, just as he is the God of all grace, as we see in 1 Peter 5.10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. You see, God will empower and ultimately glorify those who remain steadfast in their faith under the weight of their present sufferings. If we think back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as I said earlier, before Nebuchadnezzar threw them into the fiery furnace, he said, if you bow down, I will give you all this. Satan, in the wilderness with Jesus, promised Jesus, if you bow down to me, I will give you all this. Right? But Jesus is what? As we learned in Sunday school, he is above all. <laughs> There's nothing above Jesus. Everything is under his feet, and he's in control of everything. So when Satan offered this to him, he's like, no. <laughs> there is a far much greater importance than that. I, I don't need these things because I already have them. <laughs> now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were offered something as well, and they said no, and they chose to go with God, and God honored them through that. They ended up in a much better position because of it, because they stayed faithful to God, because ultimately God's the one in control of, of the outcome there, and the positions that you hold, and the jobs that you have, and, and the people that you meet. He ordains all those things. So when we're faithful to him and we glorify him, he, he will be there for us. There is comfort and grace for every situation. But this comfort that we receive from God is not simply for our personal relief. While that is a wonderful thing to have God bring us comfort, we need to remember the first reason for our suffering. It's that we might comfort others. There are times when we are wrapped up in ourselves and we desperately want comfort. Sometimes that comes out as anger. <laughs> so many times I yelled at God for it. The pain I went through, I couldn't understand it. I just I was like, Lord, I just don't understand. I don't understand, Lord. Why I have to have three jobs? Why? Why I had to have a son with Down syndrome? I don't understand why my wife doesn't want to be with me right now. I don't understand why I can't get a better job. I don't understand why they got a raise over me. I don't understand why I had to go through the abuse I went through. I don't understand, Lord. And I would scream at him. And I would, I would say, Lord, don't I deserve something better than this? Like, I was just so focused on myself in the middle of that. I was too blind to see that God wanted to do something with me. God wanted to give me grace and comfort. I just simply needed to, to let go of those things and give it over to him and say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry, but I forgot that you promised me comfort. I forgot that you're the one who took me through that, and you, pro and you have a reason. It, took, it was about three years ago, and I've told some of you the story, but I went to that Bible camp, and it was very clear that I, I thought I had given up everything to him, and I thought I'd surrendered myself to him, and, and I thought I was getting back right with God, and, but I was still holding on to that bitterness. And it was festering in me, and it was still making me angry, and it was still causing me to, to sin and to deal with lust issues and, and to, to do things to my wife, lying and, and looking at pornography and, and doing things that were destroying her as a person. And I was yelling at my kids, and I was yelling at God on a constant basis, and I was angry all the time, and I couldn't understand why. But little did I know this, this root of bitterness was just 
burrowing through me and holding on. And Satan was like, you're never going to get rid of this and you're never going to move on. God said, I have a bigger plan for you. Day after day, message after message, he said, I have a plan for you. I want you to be happy. I want you to, to get through this. And I want to use you for something. But it was that bitterness that I couldn't let go of. And he said, if you let go of this one thing, if you forgive them that hurt you, then I can use you. So I had, I had to get over myself a little bit there and, and realize that I was just holding on for dear life, trying to comfort myself, which is impossible, and going to things that I thought could comfort me, which is impossible. And I went to, to the altar, and, I, and I, when I say I punched the stairs, I literally had to punch the stairs to get the words out. <laughs> Satan was right there beside me saying, you, you don't want to say this. You're going to regret it. You're going to regret this if you surrender. <laughs> so I, I punched those stairs, and I, I got the words out. And I started forgiving my dad, and I started forgiving my grandma. I started forgiving people that hurt me. And man, what a wave of relief that was. <laughs> What a relief that was because I was finally giving it to God. I said, here it is. Here's the things I'm dealing with, Lord. I'm, I'm sorry. And I forgave them. But then a wonderful thing started happening. I started to see the why I was going through to understand the how I was going to get through this, how I was going to be used, how I was going to endure more trials in the future. I understood it finally because he was saying, I'm going to use this for something. All those things that you just forgave them for, I will use it for something. So I started thanking him one by one for each thing. I was like, thank you, Lord, for that. It was crazy. Like, never would I have imagined or thought to thank God for the pain I went through. But guess what? As we see here, it's that we might comfort others. You see, when we go through trials, now we are relatable. Jesus went to the cross. He humbled himself. He came down to be less than he was. To be human, to suffer horrible pain, all sorts of temptation, and to even have the Father who said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, turn his face from him to bear our sins on the cross. <laughs> but that was all planned from the beginning. God, see, God wants to bring us peace. He wants to bring us back to him. In Genesis chapter 3, when Satan made it possible or, or tempted Eve and, and started that little, that little sin of doubt in their heart that God really had something good for them. Gee, or God had a plan. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send my son. He knew from the very beginning he had, he had a plan to bring us mercy and to bring us comfort again. And he did. The comfort we receive from God is shared with us that we might be able to help others. Just like we can go to Jesus for comfort, to look at everything he went through as if he can get through this, then he understands what I'm going through right now. So when we pray to him, we can be like, Lord, I know you know what I'm going through because you've been through so much more than me, so much more. And that's a wonderful thing. But we go through our trials to be able to be that for somebody else. There are people here that think they're alone. There is nothing worse that thinking you are alone in your trial. Satan wants us to believe it. I thought I was alone for a long time. I wanted to keep it hidden for a long time because nobody would understand. But the only way I was ever going to get through it is by talking about it. To realize that there is a church body here, which I am so thankful for, that understands the pain. 
understands the hurt under, and probably has gone through the very same thing I went through. And they're successful now because they gave it to God. Like you need somebody in that light, in that, in that, you need somebody in your life that can be that for you. Which is why we don't forsake the fellowship. We don't forsake gathering together because we lift each other up. We bring each other comfort. We are to comfort others. That's why we, have, we go through what we go through. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 5 through 7, it says, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, which they do sometimes, so our consolation, our comfort, also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. For whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, it's unmoving, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. Because of your sufferings, you will be able to be a comfort. We suffer for the sake of others. Paul went through tribulation that, we may, that he might be able to minister to others. He was called... To, to preach to the Gentiles, to the world, right? He was persecuting Christians. He was on the road to go persecute Christians, and God stopped him, or Jesus came down and stopped him. He said, why are you persecuting me? Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, but he had to endure so much pain and trials, and, and I'll go through that here in a second, so that we would have somebody to be an example of how it's possible to get through it, to bring us comfort because of what he endured. We see in verse 4, he said, who comforteth us all, in all our tribulation. He's talking about his personal pain there. That we may, we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. It's because of God's comfort that we can comfort the other people. You see, when he comes into us and he brings us peace and comfort, that that pours out of us. He wants it to pour out of us. He wants us to, to bring people comfort and, and to be a light to them, not a darkness. Paul mentions just a few of his tribulations later in this book, but not as a boast, not to say, look what I've been through, but as a comfort. I have been through this and saw God's hand and comfort through it all. I understand the pain because I've been through it. He could look at these people and be like, I know what you're going through right now. But know that God does too. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 29. So a few pages later. Chapter 11, verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I, I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils uh, by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, 
in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things which are without, which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak, and am I not weak, or and I am not weak? Who is offended, and I burn not? He said in, in chapter 1, verse 8, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. So this whole time he's talking about the pain. He wanted them to understand the pain that he's going through. He's not, he didn't want them to think he was higher and mightier than them. He wanted to say, I'm going through pain too. So that way they would understand that there's hope here, that they would have comfort. And he said that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. There were moments when he would rather have not been born than to endure what he was going through. But there's hope, right? For out of much affliction, chapter 2, verse 4, and anguish of heart I wrote unto you with many tears, not that ye should be grieved, don't grieve for me, but that ye might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. He knew what they were going through. And how much more does Jesus understand the love or, or the pain that we're going through and have love for us and compassion for us? Jesus, he was beaten and bruised for us. And he took all our sins on his shoulders, every single one of our sins. So he knows what our sins are. So of course he understands what we're going through. He just wants us to say, Lord, I, I need you right now. But he also wants us to comfort others. I pray so often that I can learn to love the way he loves people, to see their needs like he sees their needs. To have empathy and compassion for people. I don't want to just walk around aimlessly and, and preach and teach and, and just read for my own benefit. I want to see the hurt people have. I want to connect with people. I want to I want to bring joy to people. I want to give them hope. I want to give them peace because that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to see people through his eyes so we can comfort them and bring them hope. He said in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for our light affliction. <laughs> he saw all of the pain that we just saw in chapter 11 as light affliction. All the pains that we go through is nothing compared to what God went through, which is but for a moment, worketh for us, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Chapter 6, verse 4, But in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses. Chapter 7, verse 4, Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my glorying of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. Everything I'm going through, everything I've went through, I'm so comforted and joyful. <laughs> Paul, remember what he wrote in chapter 11, the pain that he went through, and yet he's still joyful. When people see that in somebody, they, they notice, and they're like, something is different about that person. Amen. How can they go through what they just went through? How can they go through that and still praise God? <laughs> like, yeah. are they insane? What is wrong with that person? So then they, they beg the question, how are you doing this? And that is an opening to say, well, my God is amazing. My God loves me. My God comforts me. Compared to what I'm going through, 
He's gone through so much more than me. So I'm just thankful that he's allowed me to live another day. I'm thankful for, and then they can just list all the blessings that, God, that God's done in their lives, how he brought them through it. So when we go through trials and we look back and we say, why at the time? But then later we, we, we stand at the finish line and we look back and say, oh, thank you, Lord, for that. And we can use that as a, as a testimony to say, he did it here, he did it here, he did it here, and he's doing it again. So I know I'm going through pain right now, but he will see me through it because he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So that could be our answer. That'd be like, well, he's done it before. Why wouldn't he do it again? He promised he would. And then we lead them to Christ because he died for us for a reason so we can comfort others. Paul wrote in, in chapter 8, verse 2, how that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberty. You see, God prepares us for what he is preparing us for. He puts us through things to get us ready for something else. It's not for nothing. Everything we go through is to, to shape us, to strengthen us, to test us, to get us ready for that moment when somebody asks that question, or for that moment when somebody's going through so much pain that they can't bear it on their own. For that moment when we are about to face something unbearable. He's preparing us by bringing us through it at different times. We cannot lead others where we have not been ourselves, and that's another reason Jesus went through what he went through. We can follow him because he's been there. He has paved the way. He has gone through the pain. He has laid a path for us way before we were even born. So we can follow him, and people will follow people that they know are open and that have been through pain, and who have understood what it's like to go through something, you know, you might not want to hear it at, at some points, especially in the middle of it. You don't want to hear a comforting word. But it's nice to have somebody around that has been through it that's at least open to talk about it if they want to talk about it. Paul looked upon his trials as the sufferings of Christ. He states in Philippians 3.10, he was experiencing the fellowship of his sufferings, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. This does not mean that we share in the sufferings of Christ to atone for our sins. No, he was the only one that could do that for us. But it does suggest that we suffer for his sake and for his glory, that he suffers with us. In Acts 9.4, it says, And he fell to the earth, this is Saul before he, he was given a new name. And heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Paul was persecuting Christians, and Jesus said that we are his body. Paul was probably thinking to himself, what are you talking about? I'm doing this for you. In his mind, but Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? The mercy of God is a wonderful thing. And as the trials abound, the comfort of God abounds as well. Where sin abounds, so does grace. In Romans 5.20 it says, Moreover the law entered, that the offense might abound. When we compare ourselves to the law and the standards of God, we see our sins, and our sins look 
to be what they really are. We minimize them, but it becomes much more apparent how bad it is. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Paul used this word abound often in 2 Corinthians. And as you read through this section of Scripture, just like the word comfort, when you come across this, remember this word and underline it. And and remember the significance of that word comfort or consolation, but also start underlining that word abound. It suggests, or yeah, so remember, every time you see the word abound, whether you think your sin is too much for God, his grace much more abounds. He will give you peace through it. He will give you blessing through it. Look at verse 6, chapter 1, verse 6. In verse 6, Paul teaches the wonderful truth that a Christian's affliction brings a double blessing. It said, And whether we be afflicted is for your consolation, comfort, and salvation. This is deliverance from the, the harm that we will endure, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or, whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. So the first thing is, is a blessing to the individual believer. That's us. We will, we will receive the blessing of comfort. That word effectual means it works in the believer. That comfort will work in us. Through our sufferings, we realize the comforts of the Lord. We as Christians ought to be willing to endure trials since we know they bring spiritual good to us personally and blessings to others as we share God's comfort with them. And the second thing, and the whole purpose of this entire message, is that it'll be a blessing to others when we go through our trials. Verse 7 says, And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the suffering, so shall ye be also of the consolation. The Greek word for partakers in verse 7 can also mean fellowship or partners. We ought to be willing partners with Christ in suffering, since this partnership leads to comfort and edification. This comfort brings us together. We can go through the pain together. When one part of our body hurts, the rest of it reacts to it. And the church should be no different. When one person hurts here, we all hurt. When one person is is falling short, we're all falling behind. In the Marine Corps, if you have one weak link, that whole group is weak until they can strengthen that one up and fight. You're only as strong as your weakest link. It's no different in our church. So if we have people hurting, we need to build them up. We need to comfort them. We need to be partakers. We need to fellowship with them. We need to be partners with them. We need to go through that trial with them to see them through it and pray over them. I know it can be very easy to be stuck on the us part of the pain, the us part of the comfort that we think we need, but when we look at the why here, when we understand the why we're going through it, it's not about us anymore. It's about other people. It's about the church. It's about those that we love. It may not look like it yet, especially if you're in it right now. It might not look like it, but it is for a purpose, and it is for somebody else. We need to remember that so we can comfort other people and be tenderhearted, and we need to pray often that, Lord, I want, I want to love like you love. I want to see people the way you see them. Lord, I want to understand why I'm going through this so I can use it for your glory. He will honor that. <laughs> he will. Let's pray.
Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the power of your word, Lord. I thank you that it pierces right to our hearts. I thank you for the comfort it brings. I thank you for the, the, the things that it can overcome, Lord. You are greater than everything. We minimize you so often, Lord, but you are greater than everything. You are the God of all comfort, Lord. Help us to remember that. Help us to remember the promise that you said you'll never leave us. You will walk with us. You will see us through all trials, Lord. But also remember, help us to remember, Lord, that we need to pour you out to other people. We need to pour the comfort you give us to other people. Help us to see people the way you do, Lord. Help us not to look at the surface, but look at the pain. Look, look at the, the joy. Look at the needs. Look at the, everything they're going through, Lord, and to love them. Help us to have compassion with people. Help us as a church to grow together, to be knit together, Lord. Be the center of us, Lord, and, and knit us together and, and, and just help us to be a loving church. Lord, you've already done so much in this church. You've healed so many people, but Lord, help us never forget it. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Richard, would you uh, close us out?